What is up everybody? It's Dan Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office. A beautiful, beautiful May day here in sunny central Oregon. The weather has finally turned a corner and it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, central Oregon is known for 300 plus days a year of sunshine and this winter <laughs> was kind of rough, but, uh, we're back on the sunshine, so yeah, that's all good. Um, things are going great, super busy, super grateful. Thank you, everybody, for everything. The uh, online stores have been very busy. Lots of new inventory going up every day, adding five to seven new or used parts. Um, so yeah, it's just been going great. So if you're looking for something, you know, our website, uh, binderboneyard.com, I'm sorry, thebinderboneyard.com, uh, or our eBay store, which is also The Binder Boneyard. Um, or you can uh, hit me up on any of the socials and ask me if I have something. Uh, please just don't do it at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. Um, yeah. Uh, there's this weird thing that people think that just because I'm on the social medias means that they can, you know, hit me any time uh, to ask me ridiculous questions or you know, ask me if I have parts and whatnot and you know um, sometimes it gets old uh, and sometimes it's really frustrating when people get pushy you know like uh, a couple days ago 7 30 8 o'clock I had a message from a guy on Instagram that was like hey I'm looking for this part let me know if you have it and I read it, I read his message, and then I put my phone down and went back to doing what I was doing. And then, like, eight minutes later, he messages me again with question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'm like, oh, well now I'm really not going to answer you until business hours the next day. And, uh, of course, like always, uh, I message him at 8 o'clock the next morning with, you know, yes or no, I think we did have the part, uh, totally ghosted me, didn't respond, didn't do anything. So, you know, like, that sort of stuff, it just really, uh, you know, it's really tough to be Mr. Customer Service when people are all about wasting your time. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of, comes with the business a little bit uh, anymore if you want to be a modern a modern online retailer you have to be available like that but at the same time you know if you're going to take advantage of me uh, or the other thing that people do a lot is they go oh I, I bought this part from so and so and can you tell me how to put it in like well have you tried calling whoever you bought it from and they go yeah but they're closed Oh, so because I'm available, I'm going to have to tell you how to install the IH Parts America reverse shackle kit. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. People don't have um, have any kind of, I, I uh, just, no clue or they're clueless that, you know, I do have, yeah, I do have another 
life outside of this. Uh, it's hard to believe that, but I do have stuff going on that's, you know, not always related to social media. But anyway, that's it for my, my rant on that. Uh, if you do follow the social medias, you will have seen that I, I picked up a well-used but well-optioned 66800 uh, yesterday, if you're, you know, I guess... I'm recording this on Sunday, so I uh, picked it up on Saturday. So, um, you know, I had, it's pretty rough. Got used to push snow for 30 years, uh, and it shows. But uh, it's a four-cylinder, four-speed, which is my favorite. And uh, got a bunch of other stuff going on with it. Super cool. Uh, got it for a good deal. I'm probably going to hang on to it for a little while. Uh, came with another top because it has a cab top and a full top. But anyways, that prompted me to go back to the list of podcast topics that people had asked about. And uh, one of them was a Scout 80 specific podcast. And so even though I got an 800 yesterday, I will do this podcast about 80s. Uh, and then maybe the next one, or depending on how I feel, maybe the next one will be about 800s. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, let's jump feet first into everything Scout 80 that I know off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not looking in the encyclopedia. I'm not cracking any books. This is just all what I remember. So I might have a horsepower number wrong. I may have a FC number wrong. But generally, this is an overview of Scout 80s. Uh, and not to be confused with 1980s, which that happens a lot here. When people call and they say that they've got an 80. And then they go, it's diesel. And I go, oh, 1980. And they go, yeah, what do you think I mean? Like, Scout 80. Like, what's that? Oh, never mind. So, all right. Scout 80s. 61 to 65. They started development in 59, if I remember right. They took some, some uh, several iterations and design changes before they finally settled on the what they're going to do. That was late 1960, and uh, and then they started cranking them out. And the early, early 61s had some funky stuff going on. Uh, I think it was like in the first 8,000, there was some changes that happened. Uh, you know, they all had sliding side windows in the doors in the 61s. They hadn't even invented the roll-ups until 62. So they had sliding side windows with the aluminum frames. They, uh, you know, they were all 152. They were all three speeds. They all had Spicer 18 transfer cases. Or if they were two-wheel drive, they just had a output yoke on the T90 three-speed. Um, the two-wheel drives were four lug axles and four lug hubs uh, and that is proving very 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 hard for people nowadays to find drums or wheels 
to fit that wheel pattern because um, it is very obsolete. <laughs> very, very obsolete. I feel bad anytime someone with a two-wheel drive 80 calls me because I always know what they're going to ask. Um, so, you know, they had the big IH stamped into the tailgate. They had... If you had a cab top, the bulkhead was welded in. It was permanent. Uh, and then, again, if you had a full top, the, there was no bulkhead there. Uh, which I thought was weird that they did that. But we'll get into that later. Um, one of the things I liked about the early 80s, well, 61, they had a weird heater box. They had like 9 or 11 knobs on the dash. Because there was like a vent knob for each side and a defrost knob for each side. There was, you know, a wiper. Or wipers were up on the top of the window. But, uh, you know, just all these different knobs and whatnot for the various controls. It was kind of an overly complicated... I think they tried to make it simple, but I think it made it overly complicated. Because, you know, it was up to each person, each side to operate their defroster or their heater or however. And I, and I get, you know, the comfort of having just the heat on one side or whatever. But if you know anything about early scouts, they weren't the most airtight. And when you want heat in the cab, you want heat coming out of everywhere. Like, don't, it, it just didn't make sense to have it in one, one vent or another vent or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, see what else was there. They they had um you just there were some quirks. The 61s just had some weird weird quirks. Uh 62, now we roll into 62 which is like FC 32000, I want to say. So so that lets you know that in the in 61 they made over 30,000 Scout 80s in 61 alone. So then uh, in 62, you know, late, around the 30,000 mark, 62, um, they started phasing out the IH tailgate and you went to the Scripps International Scout tailgate. Um, Mid-62, the roll-up windows became optional so 62s were still having the sliding side windows on the doors. Um, the, yeah, I mean, the windshield still folded down. The wipers were on the top of the window. Um, you know, the weird heater box where it was on the driver's side was still there with the weird manifold and the nine or 11 knobs on the dash. Um, you know, radio became optional in that center plate. Um, you know, there was just, uh, it was still similar to a 61, but they were slowly refining it, you know. And that's the way that I feel that most manufacturers work, is they put out a product, and then they let the consumer be the, the, the guinea pig test bed. And then after you know, a year, then they're like, oh, we need to change this, and we need to change that, and so 62 had a few iterations of changes, um, 
they started adding more products like uh, the PTO winch. Um, that was a good one. You could have a rear PTO output. There were various soft top options, which I kick myself a lot because when I first got into Scouts, I see probably 2002, 2003, I had a 6180 with the factory soft top. I've, I've only seen one other one ever in my life, but this thing had the original factory soft top with the snaps and all the stuff. I mean, the vinyl or the not vinyl uh, canvas was in terrible shape, but it could have probably been reproduced and I didn't know what I had and I sold it to some kid in Portland for like $400 because back then scouts were cheap, cheaper free. And I actually got that scout for free. And so me selling it for $400 was like, you know, uh, I, was, I was rolling in it. You know, daddy warbucks over here making $400 on a scout that I got for free. So, you know, at the time it didn't, it didn't matter to me, but now looking back, I mean, of course, looking back, I wish I had every scout that I'd ever had still, but, um, but you know, and, and some of this, like I learned through the necessaries book, the MT 87 necessaries book, you can see there were options like the uh, worn overdrive was optional for that Spicer 18, which, you know, the early, you know, the first iteration, yeah, they've, 427s or 488s and a 152 and a three speed like it's unbearable to drive like it really it is hard to to drive in modern traffic it's very difficult and i can imagine back in the 60s you know when you've got the horsepower wars going on like i have a 65 sport fury with a 383 super commando and you know it'll cruise at 95 comfortably um so you know like being this little trail tractor on the highway it's a it's dangerous so you know giving people the worn overdrive option added you know 10 miles an hour to your top speed and let you split gears if you wanted to um you know because it's a 0.73 reduction or something like that so you know, it turns your 427s into damn near 373s, um, you know, so it just, uh, it was an added, a nice option. And there were all kinds of other, you know, gun racks and ugh, auxiliary fuel tank setups and, um, you know, of course the back seats and spare tire carriers in different locations. And, you know, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of options out there so uh so that was 62 you know you started to see that by 63 they made another adjustment and i don't know if it was because of simplicity or complication but they moved the heater box to the passenger side fender well and changed the dash layout to just the five knobs um because you still had two wiper, or I'm sorry, that's 800. The 80s, yeah, I think they had five knobs, but it, you know, it was one knob for defroster and one knob for heat and the fan switch, you know, was part of the heat switch. Um, but you know, you had to vent 
knob. Like it was just different. They just changed it so that um, it was a little easier. Dash was a little cleaner. The layout was a little nicer. And I'm imagining they saved some money because all of that control cable and knobs of the early scouts, you know, they, they cut it in half with the 63, um, you know, and, uh, and so, and then you started seeing the roll up windows became almost standard and the sliders were optional. And yeah, I know there's some guys that have like 65s with sliding windows and that's because they were the base model. You could still get them that way. Almost nobody did. Um, you know, there was um, a few other updates. You know, they still had the International Scout tailgate. The bulkhead became removable. So now, instead of a welded-in bulkhead, you had a, uh, you know, like a 15-bolt process to remove this bulkhead that went. So when you went from cab top to full top, you just change the cab top to the bolt out, change out the bulkhead, and then threw the full top on, and you were good to go again. And you know, and that just made the scout even more versatile because that was their whole thing. They were, you know, really priding themselves on the versatility of the platform, but yet, you know, you had this stupid bulkhead you had to climb over if you had a full top. Um, or if you wanted to carry something long, which, you know, scouts aren't huge to begin with, but if you wanted to carry some two by fours or something, you, you know, you had to lay it up on the bulkhead and poke it out the back window or whatever. Um, so yeah, there were, there were some updates in that. So for me personally, um, my favorite early scout is probably like a 65 because that's the late the latest of the 80s um you know the fold down windshield the updated dash the little bit better um layout of the engine bay you know they had upgraded so the early scouts had tiny brakes the 61 and the 2s had like nine inch drums on the front nine inch drums on the back and they were sub-adequate at best. So by 65, they had upgraded to 10s in the front and optional 11s in the back, I believe. Although I've had several in here that had 9s and had 10s. So I think it just kind of depended on, on brake packages. And the Dana 44 became optional, I think, in 65 um, because of a few other things we're going to talk about. So... 64, you saw the introduction of some packages. There was the um, champagne, they called it. And that was a, a packaged, you know, you know, it's hard to say that and with a straight face. But it had, you know, different colors. It had some different upholstery. Um, they were just a different... Um, yeah, they're supposed to be fancy. I don't know why. I'm not sure what prompted them to do that when there were so many other things they could have done. But, and then you get 65 with the uh, celebration of the 100,000th Scout. They made the red carpet Scout, which was all white 
with an all red interior, red upholstery, red steering wheel, red goddamn everything. And had a special dash uh, overlay to cover the defroster vents. Uh, had some a few custom badges, some stickers, um, you know, things like that that made it a red carpet special. The, the line set ticket will say doll up on it, um, you know. And again, underneath it was still a regular scout, you know, all the same scout stuff. It just was a, you know, lipstick on a pig, if you will. Um, and around that same time, they also introduced the Turbo Scout 80. Uh, which took the 152 from what's it, 88 horsepower or something. It's right around there, 92, um, up to like 110, um, which in a rig that only weighs 3,500 pounds, 3,000 to 3,500 pounds, you add another 25 horsepower, that's substantial. I mean, it's still not enough, uh, you know, but that's a big improvement. And then you do, you know, you add like the worn overdrive to give you a little bit more on the highway. And now you're looking at, you know, almost being drivable. Um, the problem with the turbos is that they're problematic. You know, they get hot. There's no wastegate. They just, you know, they make like four pounds of boost. Um, it's just complicated. There was shielding on everything and oil drain backs and, and just a lot of complicated things that, uh, yeah, it, it just wasn't feasible. They only did it for two years, 65. And then there was a turbo 866. Uh, I've had, I had one of those also, um, yeah, 65 and uh, <clears throat> I think late 64, the turbo option became available. I have it in one of the MT books as far as the breakdown of it and when it was available and, and all that. But yeah, um, you know, the 80, they, they were still trying stuff and the turbo was a cool thought. Um, in reality, they should have gone to a four speed transmission sooner. Um, because when they, you know, got into the 800s and the four-speed became available. But from 61 to 65, International kind of held the market. And I love arguing, guys that argue with me, they're like, oh, there was the Willys wagon from 49 to 70. You know, it's like, yeah, they made a, the Willys wagon that had 52 horsepower. It was, you know, only a three-speed. It was, you know... It was antiquated at best, you know, it had even smaller axles than the Scout did. Um, you know, just the, the Willys wagon was, was its own thing. You know, it wasn't as utility with the removable top and the fold down window and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, really they just, Willys just took their pickup platform and made a station wagon on it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of in that same genre, but I really think Scout had kind of, uh, I don't want to say revolutionized, but definitely changed the world with the removable hard top and doors. Um, I read a great uh, article in an, 
in a old old um, uh, what was it? Popular Mechanics magazine. I think it was a Popular Mechanics from the '60s, and they compared a Bronco to a Scout to a Jeep. And everyone's favorite part about the Scout was that the doors it had real doors with roll-up windows, whereas the Jeep that was provided to them by Jeep, um, soft doors, no roll-up windows. And they were in Colorado doing this test. So they were, you know, the guys in the Jeep were miserable because they were cold, where at least the Scout guys were happy with the doors and roll-up windows and, and all that. And I think the Bronco, I, I can't remember, the Bronco had doors also I think I can't remember the article I I just remember the only thing I do remember from the article is that they fell in love with the Bronco because it had a V8 it had a V8 and a four-speed and so I guess this was a about an 800 they had a Scout 800 in it but um yeah everyone was raving about the Bronco because of the V8 and the four-speed whereas the Scout that was provided for them was a four-cylinder four-speed and so it was the laughing stock of the road test part because it didn't have the hearspers to get anywhere especially in Colorado but um anyway you know I still think that the international was really kind of changing the market in 61 to 65 you know and and so my favorite like I said my favorite 80s are the you know late 63s to 65s I love the fold-down windows. I love, you know, the seats that folded forward or the seat cushion on the driver's side flips up so you can put stuff under the seat. Um, you know, little doodads like that that just make the, you know, it's just kind of neat. I just really liked them. Um, you know, one thing I try to do with the 80s, because like I said, my experience... Um, so if you're sort of new or you haven't listened to the early podcast, um, my first scout was a 66800. My second scout was a 73 Scout 2. And my third scout was a 6380. Late 80s, so it had the updated dash, the updated heater, roll-up windows, two tanks, PTO winch, full top, back seat, uh, spare tire carrier on the back. Like it was a well-optioned Scout 80. And that's what made me fall in love with the 80s, was that setup. Um, I worked at Malala Muffler at the time with old Fred Lias, and we ended up putting a new exhaust system on that 152 and we routed it the way that you're supposed to you know where you go over the front spring down the outside of the frame rail and then back in over the rear spring and then the muffler goes in uh horizontally whatever across the back of the frame and then the pipe spits out the driver's side and so we put a little flow master in back there uh, i tuned the carb up had Petronics, like really did a, a lot to that little motor, put an electric fan on it to keep the, so it, let some drag down. And uh, man, when you get on it, that thing sounded like an angry bumblebee. 
but uh, I love driving it, and that's where I learned to <laughs> despise the three-speed because um, where I lived in the valley, in the, <clears throat> the rainy part of Oregon, uh, it was hilly. And so you'd be in second gear, and you'd just be screaming on the red line, just bop, 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 as fast as you could get it going, which is about 40. And then you'd grab third, and you'd just go, and you'd just lug it, and you know, you'd know you have to shift back into second. And, you know. and then off-road, the first gear wasn't low enough. Yeah, it had a, it had a Spicer 18, so you had a 246 gear ratio and 427 gears but when the transmission's only four to one or like 3.8 to one first gear it's not low enough for getting around good off-road in my opinion uh, so um we did do a four-speed conversion on it later and, and i won't get into that now but uh um you know i did that's where i fell in love with 80s i drove that little scout that was my daily driver for over a year. Um, I took snowboarding, <laughs> roll your eyes at this, but I took the snowboarding class at my local community college because if you took the class for like $100, your lift ticket was included in the class. Well, to buy a lift ticket to Mount Hood Meadows at the time for this winter season, it was like $400. So I was like, you know, it just made sense to take the snowboard class. And then you had to sit through a half hour of instruction with a instructor on the mountain. And then the rest of the evening, it was, you were available to do whatever. So, um, so I was driving that little scout to Mount Hood Meadows from Portland, uh, where I lived at the time at every weekend. Um, and you know, of course it was the oldest thing in the parking lot. This was years before people thought vintage four-wheel drives were cool and, you know, that sort of thing. But, man, I remember coming out, you know, it'd be 10 o'clock at night. It's five degrees. It's freezing. It's dark. I get in there, you know, two pumps of the pedal, pull the choke out, and that little 1904 would just pop off, and the Scout would run great. The heater worked awesome. Uh, you know, I just... I had a lot of great memories in that little scout and and I drove the wheels off of it and then later it became my rock crawler that we turned into a uh you know it's on 37s and had wagoneer axles and the four speed and low gears and and all that sort of stuff that uh, I built it into later because um that scout was rusty uh it did come from Seattle it had no rockers half the floors were in it you know like it just it got rusty and it wasn't to me at the time, it wasn't worth doing all the sheet metal work. I'd rather just, you know, turn it into something that I could continue using. So we turned it into a, a trail tractor. Uh, and by then I had kind of graduated to full size stuff and I was enjoying travel walls and travelettes and whatnot. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's my, my history with the Scout 80s is, you know, based on my experiences with the 63 and and around that time. We have several uh, 80s in process here at the shop for various restorations. And so we come to know them pretty well and the little idiosyncrasies that they have. But uh, but yeah, so I'm sure I left out some details, various packages and whatnot, but yeah.
if you're looking at to buy a scout you know if it's got a fold down windshield and it's got the two big round gauges on the dash you know that sort of thing you're, you're looking at an 80 um, I've seen guys try and sell 800s with 80 VIN plates and titles which happens a lot um, so you know keep that in mind when you're looking at stuff but anyway uh, hopefully that was informative. Hopefully you learned something. Um, thank you for everybody that donates on Patreon. Uh, appreciate it very much. Uh, until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Yeah.